Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Ministries International. We value the Word of God as an instrument of growth in our lives, using it to mend our ways, align our thinking, and ultimately bring restoration. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. Today I want to teach you one of the foundational values of the Kingdom of God. And it's all about godly relationships. One of the areas where the enemy attacks the Christian community is in the area of relationships. Therefore, we need to be educated and understand not only the value of godly relationships, but how to maintain them and how to invest into these precious relationships which the Lord Jesus has given us within His church. So, in order to lay a foundation on this value that I'm going to be teaching you this morning, we're going to read a number of verses of Scripture from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning with verse 12. Gail, if you can put that up on the board. Let's read them together, please. Those of you who have not brought your Bibles, it's up on the board. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 beginning with verse 12. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we all have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, And we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I am not part of the body because I'm not the hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I am not part of the body because I am not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would you hear or how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts 
that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body and each of you is a part of it. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. If the body of Christ is to function the way God designed it to function, we need to understand the value of godly relationships and respect our differences within the body of Christ. We're not all the same. We're different. Paul explains in the above verses we read the need we have for each other within the house of God and the care we should have for each other if we are to function and work as a healthy body within the church. The church is the body of Christ. Now, the glue that holds the body of Christ together are loving relationships that have been brought together and have been put together by God and are held together by mutual honor and respect. If we don't have respect for one another, respect our differences, and honor one another, then we cannot function as the body of Christ. Amen? So they are held together. We are held together. Just as different parts of my body are held together by the bones and the sinews and the skin, even so the body of Christ is held together and works together. How? By loving relationships. People that honor and respect one another as well as our differences. Now, relationships with God are of high priority. He places a lot of value on godly relationships. They carry tremendous value and tremendous importance in the eyes of the Lord. And He requires that our relationships in the body of Christ are in good order before we worship Him, before we serve Him in any acceptable manner. I have learned that God will not accept anything from me unless my relationships are in order. We cannot worship God or serve God beyond the level and the quality of our relationships. And we need to understand that. Now, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 and 24, listen to what he said. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, and there you remember that your brother has something against you, 
leave your gift there before the altar and go your way first be reconciled with your brother and then come and offer your gift what does that tell you that God will not accept anything from us whether it's an offering we bring or whether it's a song or a service any kind of service God will not accept it unless our relationships are in the right order he said when you come to worship God or to serve God and there you remember that someone has ought against you never mind you having ought against someone leave your gift there go and reconcile make peace with your brother your sister then come and offer the gift and God will accept it amen yeah how many of us pay attention to that today well that tells me that I cannot serve God beyond the level of my relationships not just my relationship with him but my relationship with those whom God has brought into my own life now you cannot have quality relationships with everyone in the body of Christ but there are certain people that God brings to you and you are brought to them and those are the type of relationships that the father wants us to pay attention to and maintain them and invest into them every relationship with God is a gift given to us from God and it needs to be managed properly and invested into amen it's just like anything else that we have you have a house and you have something that you are responsible to maintain like your garden you're responsible to maintain it even so we are responsible to maintain good and healthy relationships within the body of Christ now in my experience I have seen so much time and resources invested into things that carry no real value in the eyes of God they just not that important to the Lord and in the light of eternity they not that important yet so much time is invested and spent and so much resources are invested into things that are not really that important in the eyes of God and I believe that it's time to reevaluate our priorities what's important to you and we need to value things from God's perspective not from a human perspective amen we need to invest into those things that carry true value in the eyes of God amen Jesus said listen to what he said in Matthew chapter 6 he said where your treasure is there will your heart be also what does that mean that means what i treasure in my life what i consider as valuable my heart will wrap itself around it 
and will pursue it with all of my energy. So, what do you treasure in life? And if we value and treasure earthly or material things, like so many people do today, they place high value on material things. They place high value on money. If I treasure material things or money, my heart will wrap itself around earthly things and will pursue them at the cost of everything else. Amen? But if I value what the Spirit of God values, if I value relationships, then my heart will wrap itself around those relationships and will pursue the welfare and will invest time and resources into those relationships. So it's a matter of what you treasure in your life, what you consider as important and valuable to you. And you need to ask yourself, what do I consider as valuable? What do I consider as most important in my life? And then your heart will pursue those things, will invest into what you consider as your own treasure. Amen? That's wisdom from God. Now, of course, not all relationships are the same, nor do they carry the same importance. My relationship with the Lord Jesus is the most important relationship in my life. Amen? And it should be in your life. Investing in that relationship, spending quality time with Him in prayer, in fellowship, in study, His Word, it's never a waste of time. Why? Because that's where I receive my daily strength. That's where I receive encouragement, divine direction. My purpose in life is renewed. My strength is renewed. And I find fulfillment in my relationship with the Lord. And if you find fulfillment in that relationship with the Lord, you're not going to look anywhere else to be fulfilled. So many people, even within the church today, they look to the wrong things to find fulfillment. They get on a path that is very destructive. Amen? But Jesus can satisfy. Jesus can fulfill every single desire in our hearts. The Word of God says, in your presence there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Pleasures that this world knows nothing about. Amen. And where are those pleasures? At his right hand. Walking with him, fellowshipping with him, obeying him, fulfilling his purpose for your life. That's where you find fulfillment and purpose and destiny. So that relationship is the most important relationship. My relationship with my wife is very important. Peter says, if I don't live with my wife according to knowledge, then my prayers will be hindered. Hello? If you are not in right relationship with your husband, with your wife, with your kids, you can pray and fast all you like. But if there is strife in the home, 
your prayers are hindered. God is not going to listen to them. Not because he doesn't want to, but because the enemy comes into that open door that you open through strife, and he does his evil work. Amen? So my relationship with my family is very important. With my children. Those are my closest relationships in my family. I want to have good relationships in my family. I pray for them. I invest into them. A lot of time, a lot of prayer, a lot of resources. Why? Because I want to have healthy relationships. Those are important to me. You've heard the saying, family is very important. Amen? Now, I believe that we not only need to study the subject of relationships, but we need to learn how to invest into them how to manage, how to strengthen our godly relationships. They can be a source of great joy. But on the other hand, (laughs) they can also be a source of great pain. Amen. If we don't know how to manage them. Now, the heart of Christianity... Is all about relationships. Relationship with God the Father. Relationship with the Lord Jesus. Relationship with the Holy Spirit. Relationship with one another. Our harmonious relationships with each other are the foundations upon which Christ builds his church. You need to understand that. They foundational. Now... Without the strength of these relationships, nothing gets built that is of any value in the kingdom of God. Psalm 11 verse 3 gives us a very profound word. It says, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? I'm going to read that again because that's important. If Christ builds on godly relationships and relationships are foundational in the kingdom of God, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Absolutely nothing. If our relationships are damaged or destroyed, the Lord Jesus can do nothing in our lives. And if you were the devil and you knew that relationships that are good and harmonious are the foundation upon which Christ builds his church, what will you do if you were the devil? Huh? Where would you focus your attacks, your deception? Where? On these relationships. That's where he attacks the most because he knows If he can destroy our relationships, he will destroy the work of God. Amen. Are you out there? Shout amen if you agree with me. So you need to be on your guard. Praise the Lord. He will attack and destroy relationships. How? One of the primary ways he does that is by causing offenses. We get offended with people. Hello? 
using our own carnality and our own selfishness. You see, the devil has no authority over the believer except the authority you and I give him. Amen? And when we listen to him, we are empowering him to do his destructive work in our lives and in the life of the church. And throughout my years of ministry in this city, and I'm speaking from experience, I have witnessed relationships that were brought together by God himself that held, upheld great dreams, great destinies from God They were destroyed by the evil one. I've seen it happen over and over and over again. The devil using our own shortcomings, our own carnality, our own weaknesses, caused great offense, which led to the breakdown of these wonderful, which were brought together by God in order to fulfill great plans for the kingdom of God that were destroyed. And some of them beyond repair, unfortunately. Now, God is not responsible for that. Our weakness and our selfishness is responsible. Now, there is a way to stop this devastation. Thank God. The New Testament gives us precise directions on how to guard these relationships, how to protect them from these attacks. Did you know that there are 58 references in the New Testament in relation to how we should treat one another and walk towards one another? 58 references. Love one another. Pray for one another. Encourage one another. Comfort one another. 58 references. And they are all giving us instruction and direction how to guard, how to protect, and how to invest in these godly relationships. And we need to pay attention and study these directives. Amen? Now, the question arises, how do I invest into these relationships? Well, the way I believe we relate to one another the way we respect, we honor one another, the way we serve one another, the way we love one another, will build a strong hedge of protection around every spiritual family. Now, and will protect us and our children and our children's children from the attacks of the enemy. Not only we will be covered and protected by the Lord, but we will also create an atmosphere that is charged with the love of God and the presence of the Lord. And that's what we need in every church, desperately. We need an atmosphere of harmony, of unity, of love. Why? Because the world is looking for a place such as that. It's a cold place out there. It's a horrible place out there in the world. And people are looking for a place where they can come and sense the presence and the love and the acceptance and the forgiveness of the Lord Jesus Christ.
And where would they find it if they don't find it in his house? Hello? Amen. The very thing that will transform our family, our churches, and even our city is a radical demonstration of the love of God. Amen. When people come in contact with that kind of love, the Bible says they change. Why? Because it is the goodness and the loving kindness of God that leads people to repentance. When you come in an atmosphere where you know you are loved, you are accepted, you are appreciated for who you are, you are given the respect that is due to you, what happens to you? Your heart grows softer. The love of God changes. And people are going to find the love of God within the house of God. And it is the responsibility of every member within the house to make sure that we walk in love towards one another. That we don't gossip, criticize, judge, condemn because people are different from us. They're not like us. Amen? Now, commitment to the Lord Jesus extends to our commitment toward his body. You cannot honor the head and not honor the body. And many what they've done, they decapitated the Lord. No, I love the Lord, I walk with the Lord, but I can't walk with you, brother. Hello. <laughs> How is that possible? It cannot be done. Amen. We cannot say, well, I love God, but I hate my brother. I don't love my brother. Well, John says, if you say that, you're a liar. That's what John, 1 John 4, 20 says, if someone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. Amen. And love is not a feeling. It is not an emotion. Love is a person. And he lives within you. The Bible says the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given unto us. And just because you can't feel it, doesn't mean the love of God is not in you. All we need to do is believe that we have the love of God and through our words and actions release it. Amen. We have a choice. And walking with the Lord in this life requires that we also walk with those whom God has brought into our lives. Amen. Now, walking with those whom God brought into your life is not that easy. Walking with the Lord is very easy. You know why? Because He's perfect. Amen. He always loves you. He always respects you. He's patient and kind and loving. It's easy to walk with God. But it's not that easy to walk with our brothers and sisters. Why? Because they are imperfect. We are imperfect people. We have faults and weaknesses. So it's not that easy. We're full of imperfections. We're full of failures. Living life with, with, with one another often will hurt you. 
Hello. We need to face reality. And not run from it. It will often disappoint us. People will disappoint us. They will humiliate us. But listen to me. If we stick with those whom Christ brought into our life, the Lord will mature us. He will use their weaknesses, their failures, their shortcomings in order to perfect character within you. How would you develop patience? By walking with difficult people. Hello. By laying down your life to serve those whom God has called you to serve. But keeping running away from those relationships will not mature you. You will always remain as a child in God's eyes. You know, there are little children and there are sons and daughters of God. Hello? Do you want to mature? Well, you've got to stick with those relationships God has given you. Through thin and thick. Oh, I don't love you anymore. Why? Because you don't treat me like you should. Hello? I will love you anyway. My wife doesn't treat me the way I want her to treat me every single time. No, but I still love her. I'm committed to her. And I'm going to walk with her until my dying days and breath. Why? Because I'm committed to that relationship. And it does not depend how I feel about it. It does not depend on what she does or does not do. Hello. When God brings you into a spiritual family and you become part of that family, you carry a responsibility. To make that place a better place. And in that place you may get hurt. People may offend you, hurt you, say horrible things about you. But if your commitment is to the Lord and to the body, you will endure, you will forgive, and you will respond always in love. Hello. That way we'll never have church splits. Amen. Praise God. Now, you see, this is where we fall short, many of us. We are afraid of such commitments. We run away from them. Why? Because we're selfish. We hate suffering. We want everything to be perfect. The fear of being hurt, the fear of being controlled, the fear of being abused becomes a major factor in keeping everyone at a distance. You know, when we come to church, we put those churchy faces on. We put a smile. Hello, sister. How are you doing? Praise God. Everything is fine. We are afraid to show our hurt, our pain. Why? Because we feel that if we do that, we will be rejected. And so, we stay at a distance, afraid of commitment, afraid of being hurt, afraid of being controlled and abused. 
Sure, there have been abuses in the body of Christ. But that doesn't mean that I must lock myself into myself and not reach out and develop and cultivate relationships that are given to me of God. Even though that I know sometimes I'll be hurt. And hear me good. Unless we overcome this fear of being hurt, we cannot fully experience the blessing that godly relationships bring into our lives. Some of my greatest joy are the relationships that I have and built over the years within the house of God and within my spiritual family. They enrich my life and I enrich their lives. Amen. I'm not alone. So many within the house of God feel so alone. They have no friends. Why? Because they're afraid of being hurt. So they build walls around them that nobody can enter into their lives. And we need to overcome this fear of being hurt. If Jesus is with you, he will help you through it. He will heal you. Amen? And just because you've been hurt once or twice, you should not stop endeavoring to build godly relationships and invest into them. When you fall off your horse, what do you do? You never get on a horse again. No. When you have a car accident, you sell your car and you say, I'm never going to drive again. No, you overcome that fear. And you get back into the steering and you drive yourself here and there. Why can't we do that with relationships? Hello? Once we make a commitment to walk in love, regardless if others do or not, if you make the decision to walk in love, the Holy Spirit will help you. And He will empower you. Whether anybody else does walk in love or not. Amen? So we need to recognize, to discern, those whom God has joined you to, to love them unconditionally, and as you do that, you will develop Christ-like character. And I believe this is what the Lord wanted me to emphasize today to you. To bring to your attention how valuable relationships are in the eyes of God. Especially those relationships that are brought together by the Spirit of God. Remember, if you are here and you believe that God has joined you to this spiritual family, you need to look around who's here, who's a part of this family. And not only pray for them, but invest into those relationships. That will develop maturity and godly character in each and every one of us. Now, we must develop such a heart that embraces all people. Amen? Bears with them. Understands where they are, where they come from. Here are some of the Holy Spirit directives. I'm going to read just a couple of scriptures for you in maintaining strong and healthy relationships. 
One of them is found in Philippians chapter 2, verses 2. He says, Fulfill ye my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, being of one mind, and let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. And again, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And then he goes on to say, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be ye kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. All of these are Holy Spirit directives in how to maintain, to strengthen, and nurture our relationships in the body of Christ. And we need to take them to heart, folks. We need to study these directives, meditate on them, read them every day, and step out in faith and practice it. When you are tempted to say something evil about someone, remember, remember what the Spirit directs you to do. When you're tempted not to forgive someone for what they've done to you, remember that just as Christ has forgiven you, we must forgive one another regardless of how I feel about it. Amen? All of these are directions that are given to us in order to manage and strengthen our godly relationships. In fact, in giving directions concerning communion, the Apostle Paul addressed the following concerning this. And I want to read it to you because next week you will be having communion. So this is what he says in 1 Corinthians 11. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself not discerning the Lord's body. Now listen to what he says. If we don't discern the body of Christ the way we should, just because they're not part of our denomination or not part of our culture or color, we need to be aware and discern the body of Christ. He says, for this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. Wow. That's the reason, he says, that there is weakness in the church. There is sickness in the church. And many of you have died before your time. Why? Because of not discerning the Lord's body. To discern means to recognize. To discern means to judge correctly. Do you see how important it is? So examine 
your relationships. How are they doing? Your relationships at home. Your relationships in the church. Your relationships with those that God has brought into your life. How do you treat them? That's true worship, folks. I cannot love God any more than I love my wife. I cannot love God any more than I love His church. Even though His church has hurt me many times, betrayed me, said evil things about me, but my love has maintained and has remained the same. That's why I still serve the church to this day after 40 years. Amen? I want us to stand and give a few moments to the Spirit of God to minister this word to you before we receive our offering today. Ask yourself these questions. What have you heard today? How do you intend to apply this word in your life? Where should you begin from? While you're here today in an attitude of prayer, may you remember that a brother has fought against you. Remember what Jesus said. Do it. Go find that person and make it right. If you have walked against anyone because you feel justified in what they have done to you, then this is the hour where you need to forgive, to release that person from his debt so that the Father can release you from your debts. Forgiveness is a vitally foundational principle in the kingdom of God. And because of unforgiveness and bitterness, many are struggling with their health today. And it's not physical. The root cause is spiritual. Because there is bitterness, anger, so many are in prison with anger and bitterness and they, they will not let it go. But if you're not going to let it go, you're not going to be healed. That's as simple as that. Release it. So while we are in an attitude of prayer, I want every head bowed and every eye closed. And as we pray, all it takes is a moment of faith to forgive and to release that person. Father, we thank you that relationships are valuable to you. You consider them not only valuable, but of high priority that we maintain strong, healthy, godly relationships. And we ask you, Holy Spirit, to help us do that. For those of us who have gone through 
relationships that have been broken and bankrupted. We ask you to forgive us. We know, Lord, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ. We pray for your healing touch upon our lives. And we make a commitment today that we will walk in love toward those you brought into our life. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You may be seated. So I shared one of the foundational values in God's kingdom today with you, and that is the value of godly relationships. Now, before we receive our offerings and whatever you brought your tithe to the Lord, I want to prepare your heart for just a few minutes in sharing another foundational value in the kingdom of God. And that's the value of generosity. Our Heavenly Father is a generous God. Jesus is a generous Lord. The Holy Spirit is generous. They're not takers. they always givers. And this is a foundational value in God's church and in God's kingdom. The value of generosity. And I want to read something to you taken from 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verses 1 through 5. Now the Apostle Paul speaks of this value that he had found so strong in the churches of Macedonia. They were known to be a very generous people even though they were very poor people. You see, generosity does not depend whether you're rich or poor. Generosity is the life of God within the believer flowing through him. Regardless of where they are, how rich or how poor they are. So he says the following. Now friends, I want to report on the surprising and generous ways in which God is working in the churches of Macedonia province. Fierce troubles came down on the people of those churches, pushing them to the very limit. The trial exposed their true colors. They were incredibly happy, though desperately poor. They were going through a very difficult time, these churches. The pressure triggered something totally unexpected, an outpouring of pure and generous gifts. I was there and saw it for myself. They gave offerings of whatever they could, far more than they could afford, pleading for the privilege of helping out in the relief of poor Christians. This was totally spontaneous, entirely their own idea, and caught us completely off guard. Wow, what an attitude. He says, they pleaded with the apostles to take their offerings. I've been to many places. I've been to many churches. I have never seen a church that pled with me to take their offerings. Usually it's the other way around. People on the pulpit plead with people to give. And not withhold what belongs to God. 
But this church, it says, they pleaded with us. They begged us, please take our offerings. And he says, they gave far more than what they could afford. One explains, he says, in the last verse, it was that they had first given themselves unreservedly to God and to us. The other giving simply flowed out of the purposes of God working in their lives. Amen? Wow. That is tremendous. And Paul bragged about these churches in Macedonia. Wherever he went, he bragged about their generosity. How generous they were. Now, last week I mentioned to you there are two specific areas of ministries that every disciple of Christ should get involved in and not wait for anybody to commission them into those areas. One, remember what I spoke to you about last week? What was it? Prayer. We all called into the ministry of prayer to pray for one another, to pray for our leaders, to pray for the church, to pray for our community. That is a responsibility given to the church, whether you are been in the Lord for a year or 20 years. The other area and the other ministry is the area of generosity, the area of giving and supporting the work of God, especially the family that you are part of and belong to. Hello? That's another way of expressing your love and your commitment to the body of Christ. Now, these two areas of prayer and giving reflect the measure of faithfulness and commitment we have towards the Lord and toward His church. Don't tell me you love this church if you're not giving to it. I don't believe you. Hello? Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. If your heart is here, your treasure would be here. If it's not here, that means your heart is not here. Hello? Now, if we are unfaithful and inconsistent in these areas, I ask you a question. Why would the Lord entrust you with greater responsibility or authority? Would you trust anyone who is unfaithful and irresponsible in little things? Would you give him responsibility for greater things? Huh? Amen. I wouldn't. And the Lord certainly said he wouldn't. Listen to what he said in Luke 16, chapter uh, 16, verse 10 and 11. He who is faithful in what is least is also faithful in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? Now, in case you didn't know, do you know what the true riches are? Jesus is referring to spiritual riches of wisdom, knowledge and spiritual understanding 
God will not give you any more light or any more revelation or show himself in a greater measure to you in the spirit if you are unfaithful in these natural monetary things. That's exactly what he's saying. Amen. So he's saying if you're not faithful with your money, with material things, who will trust you with spiritual things? And that is the qualification for receiving true riches of heaven is to be found faithful with natural things in life. And one of them is your money. Amen? Faithfulness with your money begins with giving to the Lord what belongs to Him. Amen? God specified in His Word very clear. He said, the tithe belongs to the Lord. It is holy unto the Lord. It doesn't belong to you. Hello? So you need to release it. Not because you have to, or because you've been told to, but because you love God, and you love the work of God here on the earth. Amen! Amen. Hallelujah! Still love me? I'm here to tell you the truth, folks. Not here to tickle your ears. I don't know what you've been used to, but today is another day. If you want to grow up and mature and be responsible disciples of Christ, you need to have wholesome teaching. Not compromising one. Amen? Because it's not about you and it's not about me. It's about God's kingdom and God's glory here on the earth. Amen? So, the word says concerning these people in Macedonia. Please note the first page that we just read concerning the churches in the province of Macedonia. Gail, would you put it up please? The word says that God was working in them in surprising and generous ways within the church. That tells me that God himself was flowing through them. It wasn't their generosity. It was God's generosity flowing through the people. And you know what the secret was? They surrendered themselves to the Lord and to the apostles. That's the key. When you know that you are not your own, you belong to the Lord. When you know that everything you have is not your own, you're just the steward. Everything you have belongs to the Lord. And when you surrender yourself to God and to those in authority over you, the generosity of the Lord will flow through you. So it's no longer you giving, but God giving through you. Amen. So let's stand and let's prepare to honor the Lord with our gifts. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to bless you with our substance. To give you what belongs to you. We ask that you would look upon it this morning and you would bless it with your blessing. That the gifts we give and the seeds we sow today will not only bless the kingdom of God, but will bless us as you promised to return to us. For you said, he who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. 
and he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Father, fulfill your word, we pray, and look upon the gifts of your people in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources or more information about this ministry, come and visit us at alphaomegaint.org.za.